Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean, the weekend edition. First of yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZFB. We're looking back at yesterday, Sunday, and at Saturday. See, two days for the price of one with the weekend edition. You can't argue with value like that. Uh, what's it like being part of the All Black squad? Uh, we'll speak to a new one shortly. Um, will Judith Collins praying help her win the election? Uh, we'll meet Tom Foolery. And uh, we'll also meet Ben Harper. But before any of that, uh, will we ever meet Donald Trump again? Yes, a bit of a rough weekend for him. They survey 6,000 Americans every year. And every year, the researchers ask if violence is ever justified in advancing their political goals. So if you go back three years to 2017, Trump had just taken over as president. And then... 8% of Americans said violence is sometimes justified in promoting their political goals. A year later, in 2018, 12% of Americans said violence could sometimes be justified. Today, before what may be the most contentious presidential election in living history, 34% of Americans say violence can sometimes be justified in advancing their political goals. A third of Americans, a third of Americans, think violence sometimes is okay. The president has already said the election is rigged against him. On a global debate platform, he told a militia group to stand by. Hopefully, this will be a bloodless election. But there is a good chance it won't be. Oh, wow. Downer. Okay, um, I'm just watching Trump's medical team come out for the for the latest briefing. They're not all doctors, are they? All those people in the white coats. Most of those people are extras, surely. Anyway, um, yeah. By the time you hear this, all this may be completely uh, irrelevant. Of course, uh, what isn't irrelevant is uh, All Blacks training week. Uh, that's this week. Uh, here is a new All Black. What's it like being in the camp? Camp All Blacks. What have you learned? Uh, you know, just the, the professionalism within all the boys. You know, that's something that's a big thing that I'm learning. I'm still learning as well. But getting to room with someone like Aaron Smith that I've got to room with this week, it's all those small things that really matter um, when it comes to being a professional, which is, you know, timing, looking after the body. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's some of the big stuff that I'm learning. And also just the importance of learning your role because it's this whole All Blacks is one big machine and so um, if you do your role right then it just helps out with everyone else so yeah that'll be the big ones that I'm, I'm learning right now Okay look I've got a couple of things I want to ask you about there but before we get into your role and stuff it was Aaron that you were rooming with uh, the night before it, the team got announced wasn't it? Yeah, Yes it was yeah he was there So here's the guy that you're waking up every half hour because you're so excited about whether you, <laughs> your name is going to be called or not Yeah, yeah. yeah I felt sorry for him throughout that whole time because <laughs> Pretty sure I was keeping him awake. <laughs> it's a great story. You told it so well. Let's go back to your role. How how have you seen it, and has it changed in your own mind since you got into this camp? Um, not really. It's, it's um, Foster really made it uh, simple for me. He just said, like, um, you know, I'm in this team for a reason. Um, I have to back my ability, and that's sort of just hard ball, a hard running. You know, just get the ball, get some good carries, and I'm hoping to score some tries. So. That will be my um, my big rocks that I have to think about when I come into this team and also just working hard off the board. That will be the um, the two main things. That's Caleb Clark, by the way. I probably should have mentioned who it was you were listening to ahead of you listening to him. 
Um, I am so out of touch with rugby this year that I have no idea who he is, to be honest. Never heard of him before. Uh, things have changed. I used to actually go to rugby games. Remember that? <laughs> Crazy. Um, now, uh, away from sport uh, and back to politics, uh, Judith Collins yesterday, vision of her praying. This is a weird thing, isn't it, to sort of put out there? Or is it? Maybe it isn't. I don't know. So she prayed before voting in the church. And Peter Dunn, United Future was sometimes regarded as kind of a, a subtly Christian party. What's your reaction to the frequent mentions now of Judith Collins' faith? Well, again, she's got every right to her faith. And what I find a wee bit surprising is that we're only learning of this in the last few days. Um, she's entitled to her private beliefs, and I don't think we can um, object to those. But But the fact that she's now in the debate last week two or three times and a couple of other public references since and this morning's effort um, making it more overt suggests strongly to me that she's pitching out to the the new Conservative Party voters uh, because that's where the rump of the old Christian right ended up to try and peel off some votes for them. Maybe she feels that they're getting um, too strong. I don't know whether that's so or whether she's worried about the vote she's losing to act so she's got to pull back some votes on the right from somewhere else. But it does seem to me to be suddenly far more overt in her declaration than has been at any point in her previous, uh, previously in her political career. Oh, it's it's a cynical world, isn't it, Peter? I mean, that photo uh, op I thought actually could have been used by. Um, I'm not sure if it was the smartest move because it in, invites the, the cartoon sort of bubble saying, "Please, please, please, let me win." <laughs> Seeking inspiration, all those sorts of things. Yes, um, I I think. I was basically at the end of it impressed. I'm impressed when anybody can kneel down and get back up again because I'm not sure that I really can do that. Not not every day. She said that she does it every day. I mean, I might do it one day and then have a day off for recovery and then try the kneeling again another day. Um... Now, Tom Foolery is responsible for uh, a video that went viral of him sort of uh, updating his kid about how the world's going to hell in a handcart at the beginning of the COVID outbreak. Uh, Anyway, he's a New Zealander, apparently. I mean, you know, it feels like the whole world has changed so much in the last six months. But I guess for you, (laughs) it feels like that even more so. Just how much has your life changed since the start of this year? Well, you know, it has and it hasn't in a in a very strange sense. Every every tremendously exciting thing has happened um, you know, uh surrounding the the poem that I released that got a lot of attention has happened through uh my phone or through my computer in this strange virtual world. Um and it's so exciting. Uh, in th- in that respect, you know, and I get to I get to speak to people like you, and I get to um, you know I get to create more work, which I can then post on my channel, and you know for that I'm all incredibly grateful. But also, my life hasn't changed that much. <laughs> I'm still I'm still living, you know, I'm I'm still sat in the same bedroom. Um, I've still got the same two seven year olds who you know are constantly in in need of entertainment um, and, and learning, I guess. So yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. It doesn't feel for a second, like I've been whipped off, you know, jet setting around the world or, or going to, 
you know, glamorous events. It really, it really feels like my life has remained a constant, but I've had this massive um, boost to keep making work <laughs> by, you know, the power of the internet. Yep, and of course, the other thing you can do is just uh, solo projects. I think collaboration, eh. I mean, like you say, the internet can come into it, but uh, Ben Harper's gone, yeah, nah, I don't really need the band. I've got a new album out, and it's just me, 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 and me. Tell me, Ben, tell us about Winter is for Lovers. When did you record this album? Recorded the record a year ago. Tell me a little bit about this album, the style of the album, a solo instrumental. Why now? It's taken a long time to what you would think because it's a solo instrument. I don't know what you would think, but I might think that because it is solo, you can do it at any point or any given time, just sit down and play. But it couldn't be further from my reality because I've been working towards this record for a long time to get it to get it right. It's a long piece with a lot of movements, and um, it's. I approached it as a steel guitar symphony. So not only composing it was its own challenge, but coming to grips with what would and wouldn't go on to it was a challenge. So the album is 15 songs, but as you say, it plays out as one composition. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. It's one composition, an A and a B side, but I, I had to had to break it up for modern platforms as far as how it gets distributed. Yeah, bloody Spotify, eh? Because that's why um, albums have like 18 or 21 tracks on these days, so it keeps coming up in people's playlists. Uh, more tracks, more playlists. You can't... How would, you know, Pink Floyd, you know, they used to have albums with like, in Dire Straits, with like five tracks on. That wouldn't work these days, would it? I'm Glenn ZB. Five tracks a week from me with the News Talk ZB. We'll see you back here again uh, tomorrow with another one of those.